welcome to the See You Next Summer podcast. I'm Raul Rodriguez, and here's with me the... Mm, the... The lorry to my... Annie? Really? No, the lorry to my daughter Loomis. The lorry to my daughter Loomis. I'll be daughter Loomis. Oh, okay. Okay. Totally. Yeah. Totally. 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 Anyway, uh, totally. what's up, guys? We're here to end... Well, first of all, happy Halloween. Happy Halloween, yay! Yes, and we're going to celebrate it by reviewing, well, Halloween. Oh, I thought you was, we're going to talk about Mingle because Halloween is the only night that you can dress up as a total slut and no one will say anything about it. Well, that happens for two of our uh, <laughs> girls here. One of <laughs> yes. them, definitely. But yeah. Um, oh, yeah. How fitting to end this month on Halloween. And mm-hmm. yeah, it's probably the most fam- one of the most famous uh, slasher villains of all time. And the original. We're talking about the original. Halloween. We're talking Michael Myers. Mm-hmm. Not Mike Myers. That's a very different. That would be a very different movie. Yes. M- Michael Myers in Halloween 1978. Yes. Oh, my God. I have my set of story, but I will say it later. But I want to know you because you're younger how do you watch this movie how did i watch this movie for the first time i've always uh known about michael myers but i was a little bitch and i didn't like horror movies I've, i have since grown to love them but growing up um i remember i was with at grade school uh with my grade school friends and everything I forget what it was we were doing, but we were just at a hotel. It was like super, super late, and we were watching Halloween Resurrection for some reason. So that was how the first time I saw it. And I was like, this is the most ridiculous fucking thing in the world. People are really scared of this. And then years later, I learned about the whole franchise. I actually have not watched the majority of the franchise. Surprisingly, uh, there are some that I have never seen. Um, like. But but Michael Myers in Halloween has always like been there. It's always something I've known. I remember when Rob Zombie's Halloween was coming out, and that was a huge deal because they were like, it's a remake. And I'm like, I was still not aware of the concept of a remake. I'm like, why would you want to make the same film again? And then uh, I, have, I did catch uh, H2, and it was the most disjointed drug trip I've ever seen in my life. Which, to be fair, that was how I got introduced to Rob Zombie. Uh, don't forget about the, the unicorn. Yeah, I still don't understand that. It's like, it's like <laughs> in Scary Movie Three when they do the parody of the the Ring videos. Just imagine a whole movie like that. <laughs> there, then that's H two. Oh my god! Well, but then uh, yeah, after that, I eventually did watch the first Halloween, and I was like, okay. Like, I was getting through what I call my horror education, Mm -hmm. and this was definitely one of the requirements. Yes. And I just watched the original, and I was like, yeah, no, this movie's really, really good. And I have since made it a tradition on every Halloween night to watch the movie. It's got to be specifically at night. You can't really watch this movie during the day. It doesn't have the same effect Mm -hmm. at the end of every... I peek out the window and you can swear that you like Michael Myers is right there and it's awesome. And I, you know, you just let the credits roll and you hear the music 
It really brings some ambiance to it. It's so good. Now I know how to scare you. Who says I get scared? I get excited. Ah, okay. I'll find a way. <laughs> yeah, but you live on the other side of the country. You're not doing shit. Uh, 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 uh. Raul finds a way. I'm not scared of Michael Myers. I'm not scared of Michael I Myers. I love Halloween. I I enjoy it as as much oh, as Nightmare on Elm Street. That's another kind of worms. Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah, but I, the point being, from what I have seen of Halloween, I mm. love it. Um, I cannot believe that your first one was Resurrections. I love that. For me, it's something that I have said before, but I'm going to say it again. I was, I was six years old. I think it's like 1995. And I told my mother I wanted to go trick or treat alone, but just only on my block. And my mother said, no, you're not. I was like, Mama, I really want to. And then she's like, oh, you really want to. She took me to the video store. She rented Halloween and she played Halloween in front of me. And at the end of the movie, she told me, what is the lesson? I'm like, you cannot trust someone behind a mask. She's like, yeah, that's why you cannot trick or treat alone. Now shut the hell up. We're going to go and trick or treat. And that was the next day. It was Halloween. And, and, and that was my first time ever into horror. That was my first horror movie ever. And then my mother kept it as a tradition. The next Halloween, she showed me Halloween 2. And then the same Halloween, Halloween H2O came out on VHS. So the following day, she rented H2O. So I also haven't seen the whole the whole franchise. I only have seen. So you never got through the Thorn I never got through the Thorn trilogy. I still had never seen Season of the Witch. And I heard that it's really good. I heard that it's technically like. I have seen Season of the Witch. I have not seen the Thorn I trilogy. heard that technically the Season of the Witch is like a Raul movie. So I'm like, I'm excited. It very much is a Raul excellent, movie. Excellent, excellent. And I have. And I only saw the first 15 minutes of Resurrections. I took out the VHS and I rent, they put it back into Blockbuster. Just Resurrection. Yeah, Resurrection, whatever. I never finished Resurrection. I only saw until Jamie Lee dies, and I'm like, stop. I've only seen I've only seen the second half of H2O, which is weird because you would think that I would have seen the whole thing by now. But I have, but I have seen a lot of H2O and. Yeah, that had one of my favorite. That had my favorite ending of the franchise. Mm -hmm. And then I saw I saw both Rob Zombies, and I have seen all of the sequel trilogy. They... Never seen uh, the first Rob Zombie Halloween. Streaker. I've seen H two, and uh, yeah, what the fuck was that? <laughs> is my is was what I thought to myself. I was like, what the fuck did I just watch? I I don't even know. And I saw that in theaters. Uh, Rob Zombie's Halloween too, and I'm like, you know, it would have been made by A24 now. Oh yeah, yeah. It's a, it is definitely an A24. It will movie. say Ari Aster's Halloween too, and that could happen because we had to say that technically right now the Halloween rights are still. Well, that's not that's not happening because Malika Cod is going to own it for the rest of his life just just let michael and doesn't matter because yes but we need 20 years of no michael let it burn or we could just you know have no michael in general just let the franchise just let it die seriously just let it let it die it's it ran its course it went for over 40 years there's nothing else you can do with it there's really nothing else you can do with it unless they make it like an anthology. Yeah. But you know there's going to be idiots that are just like, oh, why isn't Michael Myers in it? Mm -hmm. 
You know, you know, there's idiots that are out there like that. Because I seriously, they saw on the recent news or recent as of this recording that the rights are being shopped around because it's no longer Blumhouse. They don't have the film rights anymore. They they had their three, and uh, apparently Malik Akkad wants to make a TV show in the vein of Season of the Witch, and that actually sounds pretty okay to me. But then, of course, I see the first comment, but where's Michael Myers in it? And I'm like, you fucking idiot. My Billy, I have something that can scare you. Barry Levinson's Halloween. That sounds pretty good. You think? No, you're thinking of... you. The guy from Euphoria. Barry, Barry Levinson isn't the problem. It's his son. Oh, that is not his name? What is the name of the guy from Euphoria? <sighs> Sam Levinson. So, thank you. Sam Levinson. Yeah, Barry Levinson's the good one. It's a go, sorry. Sam Levinson's Halloween. Anyway, let's get back to the fucking movie. Um, <laughs> no, that wasn't that one scare me. That pissed me off more than anything. Um, <laughs> but yeah, this was released in 1978. This was John Carpenter and mm-hmm. Deborah Hill. Deborah Hill wrote the screenplay. John Carpenter yeah. did the music and directed. This is the film that put him on the map, mm-hmm. really. Like this yes. is what made him a household name. Mm-hmm. Before that, he did um he didn't really make any like big movies. He made movies like Dark Star and Assault on Precinct Thirteen, but Halloween is the one. Oh yeah, he made the original. I forgot yeah, about that. Um, mm-hmm. both really good movies as well. But this is the film that everybody learned his name after this, mm-hmm. and he wasn't the only one because this was the very first film of Jamie Lee Curtis, mm-hmm. Hollywood royalty, uh, daughter of Janet Lee. And Tony Curtis, mm-hmm. two very famous actors, and yeah, so we had a Nepa baby, and yeah. produced by Mustafa Khan, and he would have the rights to the franchise until his unfortunate death, and then they would be passed on to his son uh, Malik, mm-hmm. and that's a whole different. Um, when we eventually cover Halloween, we'll talk about Mustafa Khan and his. Oh yeah, um, but he was basically the investor. Uh, for this movie, because this is what you mm-hmm. call a uh, independent movie in every sense of the word. Oh yeah, this is a hardcore indie. Yeah, this is made on a three hundred thousand, three hundred twenty-five thousand budget. It feels like it, mm-hmm. but they make good use of it. And like in every um, big franchise, you got to have one big name. In this case, um, Donald Pleasance. Mm-hmm. Originally, for Dr. Loomis, they wanted Peter Cushing, but he had just done Star Wars, yeah. so he was unavailable mm. at that point. So that was their big get, was uh, Donald Pleasance, who uh, was a British theatrically trained actor, mm-hmm. very good one. And yeah, this is the story of uh, when he came home. Mm-hmm. So I just want to start. Yeah, so we start Halloween night. 1963. We, this is the thing that I like about the movie. I like that the camera feels like a POV for most of the movie. It feels like we're technically the character following these characters. I like the feel of the movie of that. We see that we go into this house and we see uh, two teenagers kissing, almost starting to have sex. And one of them is Judith Myers. And we, classic iconic the musical jacob 
And we're told that she's supposed to be babysitting her little brother, Michael. Mm-hmm. And the whole thing is you just see this mask, like the little eye holes and everything. So it's, you don't see fully everything. Mm-hmm. But it's, um, it's made very clear that you're in Michael's POV. Mm-hmm. And he goes into the kitchen because he was trick-or-treating before that. And he grabs a butcher yes. knife, his famous weapon. Goes upstairs. Apparently, mm-hmm. Judith and her boyfriend had sex, like, in two minutes. And after the guy leaves, that's when he goes upstairs. You would think it would be, like, uh, during. He'd want to kill him, too. But what happens is we go upstairs, and we get our first shot of gratuitous nudity. Mm-hmm. As Judith is just combing her hair topless and everything, and then sees Michael, and then the infamous stabbing of her there's a weird moment where he's like looking at himself stabbing her and i'm like what what sense does that make why would you look at yourself stabbing your sister Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's a cool shot and everything and this is the bloodiest this movie is gonna get yeah and then we just go outside and we see the parents and they go michael and they tear his mat or they just take his mask off and he's just out there with a butcher knife Seemingly, like, in shock. Mm-hmm. Okay, what just said is, like, he doesn't remember what he did. I like the ambiguity of the look of the kid. And then we just go... I love it. It's like a weird, like, airplane shot, like a drone shot. But we see we see Michael, and then we goes back, 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 and then we go and see the whole house. And then we go October 30th, 1978. Hash or uh, quote unquote modern day. Modern day, yes, yeah, because then we, when we ever, if we ever explore the Halloween franchise, the choose your own adventure the, uh, timelines of all of this damn franchise. There's like five of them. Yes, <laughs> we're talking about the original, the present day, ninety-seven. The one that every single one agrees, unless you're Rob Zombie. Yes, so we see uh, Doctor Loomis and the nurse. I forget the character's name of the nurse. Marion Chambers. Marion Chambers. I know that she always she has a name. Because but yeah, um, it's Dr. Sam Loomis. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because this movie also has a big impact on the movie Scream. Mm-hmm. In fact, the killer Billy Loomis, named after, and it is the movie that they are watching toward, at the end of the movie. Yes. And uh, I, 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 there's so many things. It's because Halloween started like the big boom of horror that we know today. It's in the vein of, like, considered the modern slasher, along mm-hmm. with Psycho, which starred Jamie Lee's mother. Yes. And uh, Black Christmas. Mm-hmm. That's a, that was made by Bob Clark, the guy that did A Christmas Story. But according to Ghostface in Screen 4, it was Peeping Tom, the first time we were going to the killer's POV. That is, that is also correct. I can quote Screen 4 for days. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. I know you can. <laughs> You have done it for our Scream 4 episode. Anyway, uh, mm-hmm. Michael chokes the nurse out and steals the car because they're just going to transfer him over. And Dr. Loomis is very much like, he keeps referring to Michael as an it. And uh, the nurse is just like, oh, what's he going to be on in the court? He's like, Thorazine. It's a very strong drug. And then she's like, he's going to be out of it. And he goes, that's the idea. Wait. You said Thorazine? Thorazine is what it's called. Oh, oh that was like, so that's why you get the Thorn trilogy? No, not Thornazine. <laughs> Thorazine. 
God. I mean, like, because I'm going to say this. As we said on screen, that's for a lot of horror fans, we treated as Star Wars. We treat this Halloween movies like Star Wars technically, too. Because we explore every single fucking character in this movie that even has one line. Like also they did in the sequel trilogy. Pretty much, yeah. Oh, yeah, and Michael is now 21. So, yeah, it's been 15 years. Also, Haddonfield, Illinois. That's not a real place. Wait, so Michael is like six, seven years old? When in the beginning of the movie, he was six years old. Was he Judith? Yes, he was six years old. They literally oh. say it in the movie. Oh, I didn't catch that. I thought that Michael was like 10. He looks like a 10 year old boy. No, no, he's six years old. And then they said 15 oh, years okay, later. Oh, okay, okay, okay. So he's 21. So he's 21 years oh, old. So he can dream. And so he basic he steals the car mm-hmm. and somehow drives it. Yeah. And uh, what does happen is they later find that car in uh, um, like a ditch somewhere. And uh, we find that... We see a, a man kill. Really weird that Dr. Lumetini saw that body. Yeah, so that's why he has the whole... Uh, the blue um, get-up. Yeah, the outfit. Yeah, the outfit. Because it was a guy that had like a, like a towing truck. Yeah, like a mechanics thing. Mm-hmm. That seems to be a, a thing. In all of the franchise. Yeah, is that he has like a mechanic outfit. But what does happen after that is uh, they also established that it's it's a few hours away. Yeah, 150 miles from where he escaped. Yeah, from Haddonfield. So it's about like... Yeah, but it took him that long. So it's about like two hours. I mean, he, Michael got distracted a little bit. Oh my God, that's a pretty cool idea right there. Yeah, maybe. Mm-hmm. And so then we meet the main star, our protagonist, Laurie Strode, a young Jamie Lee Curtis. We know that she that that her father's Mr. Strode. He's a realtor. It was like, can you go and drop the key at the Myers house? And we see that she stumbles into one of the characters that's gonna be so important if we ever get to the sequel trilogy, Tommy Doyle, uh, the little kid that he's gonna babysit later that later that day. Yeah. Also, this movie's supposed to take place in Illinois. It's very clearly Southern California. It's Pasadena. It's Pasadena, <laughs> like yeah. to a T. You can see them just put the fake leaves and everything. Everything looks way too hot. Mm-hmm. It's it's very funny to watch. And then we see Lori dropping the key. And we see, but from the point of view of the house, inside of the house, we see Lori walking away back to Tommy on the street. And we hear Michael breathing. And we see the shadow of Michael seeing her from afar. And that's a very common thing that happens multiple times in this movie. As you hear Michael's breathing. Because it feels like we're the POV and the Michael's breathing. We feel like the we, the artist, were Michael. And it's heavy breathing, too. Mm-hmm. It's just very um, off-putting, like it's supposed to make you feel uncomfortable. And I'm like, I even told Billy before we recorded, and I, also when I was watching, I was like, Tommy Doe, is that the asshole that says in Halloween kills evil dies tonight? <laughs> the person like, yeah, that's him. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then we see Michael... And then we see that Mr. Loomis is talking with another another doctor. I was like, so where is he going? I was like, I don't feel it's 150 miles from here. And he's driving. Someone teaching how to drive. And I love that someone pointed this out. That I'm like, Dr. Loomis parking a handicapped spot. And he's not handicapped. <laughs> and then we go into one of the most iconic things in the whole movie. There's a lot of iconic stuff from the movie. But when we see Laurie... In the uh, in the school room, 
she turns around and she sees a car park and she sees Michael from afar, but she doubts it. She goes back to see the, 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 the board and then she turns around and you see that Michael already moved a little bit to the front. And we just hear the music. Yeah, he only slightly moves. It's very funny. He's, he's just like standing out in the open. And then next minute, then you see, oh, he's just disappeared. Also, because I also, one of my favorite movies is It Follows. And It Follows did a lot of young Capital moves. Did a lot, there's a lot of like heavily inspiring Halloween. And so I was like, wait, it's like kind of like the shot when the girl is looking from afar. We see everybody having kind of like a day at the college. And then we see this random guy in a bad robe walking slowly to the sky camera. That thing is one of the ones that scared the fuck out of me in It Follows. It Follows is very scary it's so good one day we're gonna get there i know yeah it's it's very very good but it's also very disturbing yes that's the idea that's the thing that i like about and it's it. a Come good idea yeah and it works and i like what the teacher says the teacher says faith is immovable like a mountain faith never changes now i'm like this feels like the basis of the sequel trilogy the, the whole thing about the sequel trilogy was about fate. It's the basis of the mm-hmm. movie. And also it's the basis of the movie, yeah, too. And it's very on the nose. And they, of course, recreated it in the sequel trilogy. And I was like, they're really Force Awakening. Force Awakens this whole thing. Oh, yeah. But, yeah, once that happens, um, Tommy's leaving school because he's carrying a pumpkin because he was going to make pumpkins with Lori and stuff. And uh, Lori's cool. Like, Lori's just a regular, smart, good girl. Our, our quote-unquote good girl. And a couple of bullies are taunting him about, oh, the boogeyman's going to get you. And uh, then when that happens, uh, I love that they're laughing, and then ha-ha-ha, and then there's Michael just grabs one of the kids. Didn't one of the kids also and... appear in the sequel trilogy that had a name? Yes, the Lonnie. Lonnie! I was like, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, they, they, they make fun of him and say, oh, he's probably never going to leave sixth grade. But what does happen is he freaks the bully out, and uh, then he gets back into the car, and he drives and follows Tommy. In a really dramatic and disturbing way. Yeah, they. whenever Michael does something, like, off-putting, they play the theme. Mm-hmm. It's the only time when it's really appropriate, because it, you, you feel like... They talk about how he has this evil, and that's something I hated about, uh, about the sequels, and from what I've seen of like clips of Rob Zombie's remake is that he overplayed that theme way too much. Yeah. And then in H2, he doesn't do it until the end. That is actually a good thing. But what does happen is Dr. Loomis uh, manages to call the police and he's just like, oh, Michael's gone out of prison. Uh, He's coming to Haddonfield. Just beware. This is a very dangerous person. And uh, that's when he notices the tow truck parked in the grassy area. And then this is when we meet our other victims. Annie and the other girl. Linda. Linda. Annie is the blonde one, right? Annie is the brunette. Played by, funny enough, Nancy Loomis. No relation. Um, But she's been in, uh, she was in The Fog as well. And she was in Assault on Precinct 13. And Mr. Strode was actually also in The Fog. So again, it's that old John Carpenter likes working with people again. And Linda is PJ Souls, who would make a couple of cameos in the franchise. 
But the problem with uh, Linda is she uses the word totally, totally, way too much, mm-hmm. and she's very annoying. Yeah, she is. She's she's kind of an idiot. Annie is also sort of like in that in between. She's sort of like Lori, but also promiscuous like Linda, because Linda is very much open about having sex with her boyfriend Halloween night, like uh, totally. And I love that. Uh, they're they're all friends. They're talking about oh, we all got to babysit tonight, and uh, and Annie has to babysit Lindsay Wallace, who lives across the street. That's very important for the geography. Oh, not only that, Lindsay Wallace. So is that the girl with the black hair in the sequel trilogy? Yes. Oh, okay. 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 Yeah. And so played by the same actress. It too. was the same actress, right? Yeah. Nice. And so then we see that Michael in the car. Passing by, and then what? And then the blonde was like, "I hate it." I, I was like, "Hey, jerk, speed kills," and then break. Just I love the thirty seconds on tension. They're like, "Ooh, what's gonna happen here?" And then he, Michael, keep going, and the other one says, "I hate a guy with no sense of humor." And then we go into one of the more another iconic shot that even. People that we know of had recreated on Twitter, people that work here, that live here in LA, that they go by the bush in Pasadena to recreate the thing from Michael. <laughs> yeah, because uh, the whole thing is Annie is going to help Linda hook up with her boyfriend, Bob, who we'll talk about Bob later. I have a problem with him. <laughs> but, well, I have multiple problems with him. But um, while that's happening, yeah, Michael just stands like three quarters of the way out of a bush and then. Lori looks down for like five seconds and you even see him just walk away. And I'm like, all right, he's probably thinking hit my mark. I'm out. And then she's just like, Oh, who's that looking at me? And, uh, and he's like, what are you talking about? So they go over by the bush. No one's there. He just disappeared. Was it a part of Lori's imagination? No, we know it's not. And then we see, um, that Lori stumbles into Mr. Brackett. One of the cops in Haddonfield. Oh, it's uh, Annie's father, and he's the sheriff. Yeah, and uh, he's just like, oh, you know, it's Halloween. Everyone's entitled to one good scare. <laughs> oh, if only, if only. And then I think this is when um, the iconic thing between the the sheets. Yes, the shot that always confused me as a kid. So in uh, Laurie's home and. There's actually not too much spoken dialogue in this movie. I mean, when it is, it's it's either super cheesy or uh, on the nose. Well, it's also because this movie is more environment. It's a lot of environment and geography. Yeah, John Carpenter is very good at making uh, those kind of movies. But you always feel like there's this air of uncomfortableness. You know, just any moment, Michael could come and just kill him. Like, you can't quite describe it, but you know it when you see it. And then we see Laurie. She's looking down, and she sees Michael between all of the hands. She's, like, to get dry outside. And then she's like... And then we go back into seeing the routine that she's, and then Michael disappears. Yeah, so the what confused me as a kid, and it confuses me now. So she's looking over, right? She's looking at the sheets. It's implied that she's looking at Michael. Um, but we don't see her turn away or anything. So she's still looking. And then the next cut is Michael disappeared. 
okay, so did you watch him disappear? Did you watch him just walk off? That's that's my question. Or was she not really staring at him? Or you can see the paranoia in her head. Maybe. Because he was on the other side mm-hmm. of the sheets. Mm-hmm. So, like, that was what confused me as a kid. I'm like, did she not just see him just run away? Yeah. And then we see that uh, someone calls, and she hears nothing, and then she hangs up, and then she answers the phone again, and we see that it's Annie. And then uh, and then she gets picked up by Annie. They're doing weed. And they're like, oh, my God, that's my father. Hide the weed. Hide the weed. And we see that Lori's has a pumpkin for Tommy. And then they stop and see the sheriff. And I was like, what happened, Dad? I was like, someone saw so nice, a mask, and other things. And, uh, and then when exactly when Lori and Annie leave, we see Dr. Loomis meeting up with the sheriff. Oh, before that, Loomis goes to the graveyard. And he wants to visit Judith's grave. But they discover that her headstone is missing. And he's like, okay, yeah, he's home. Ooh. Ooh. And then uh, also, you know what Michael Myers' original mask was, uh, the, the right? The Shatner thing? Yeah, William Shatner mask that was uh, had the eyebrows taken off and like the hair was slicked back. Yeah, that's William Shatner's face, <laughs> which is just even funnier if you like play Shatner dialogue over Michael Myers kills. Like, what does God want with a spaceship? Lori, I am your brother. Of all the souls I have encountered in my travels, his was the most human. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, yeah, then it's like, um, what's even funnier is you see Michael drive past them and like Dr. Loomis and Sheriff Brackett. And it's just funny. It's just like, he's right there. It's that whole, uh, the last time that cliche has happened on this show was during Under the Same Moon, where they're literally like next to each other. <laughs> it's funny, but it's also like, oh, man. And also for me, just to keep it more hardcore, we haven't got to that movie yet, but it's like five old. Turn around, five old. Turn around, goddammit. <laughs> oh, uh, An American Tale. An American Tale. Was, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but what does happen after that, um, Laurie's worried that Mr. Brackett caught them smoking pot which makes sense and also it's the 70s everyone smokes pot um she's like oh no there's nothing to worry about uh what about you laura are you going to the dance or do you even care about those sort of thing and then we have a really real conversation she has a crush on this guy named ben tramer and and he's like ah okay i see what i'll do i can help you there uh they they arrive at where they got to babysit question though because I remember hearing this in YouTube years ago. Wasn't Ben Tremor the guy that was wearing a Michael mask in the original Halloween 2 and then gets, gets ran over by Dr. Loomis? Yes. Wow. Okay. <laughs> but, you know, that, that, that movie never happens now because now we're in the sequel timeline. So Did they, did they show the character in the sequel trilogy? Uh, no, I don't think they did. Interesting. Mm. I mean, they never really show... He's not in this movie. Not really. Mm-hmm. It's just a guy that... Oh, you it's know. a name drop. Yeah, it's a name drop. But uh, while that happens, uh, when they drop themselves off where they're going to babysit, we see Michael pulls up along the curve, and he gets out and he hides behind the Wallace Yards, just watching Annie. He stays behind that tree all day. 
I guess. And then uh, they arrive at the, or Dr. Loomis and Sheriff Brackett arrive at the Myers house. And then they see, oh yeah, they also find a partially eaten dog. As it turns out, Michael really likes eating dogs or something. Yeah, I was like, this is not a man. He got hungry. Yeah, and then uh, he sees where Judith was murdered. And then a downspout falls away from the building. And it's, it's literally falling apart. Breaks the window. And also, don't forget that Mr. Dr. Loomis speech. I was like, I met this six-year-old. And he had the blackest eyes. I spent eight years analyzing him. And another seven years convincing to lock him up. He's this is a great evil. showcasing of acting. And this one monologue mm -hmm. tells you everything you need to know about Michael Myers. Mm -hmm. You don't need seven Anything else. Nothing. You just need this monologue. It's yeah. all you've ever needed. You know, he said, I met this six-year-old ch child with this blank, pale, emotionless face and the blackest eyes, the devil's eyes. And like he said... Uh, I spent eight years trying to get to him and another seven trying to keep him locked up because what I saw behind those eyes was purely and simply evil. Mm -hmm. That's why he's always calling him the evil or it mm -hmm. or a boogeyman. He doesn't, he doesn't think Michael is human. Mm -hmm. And everyone is like, oh, how could you say that? And he's like, oh, no, trust me. I, I know. I've spent years with him. Mm -hmm. And he's just like, um... So don't inform the rest of the police. We don't want to cause a panic on Halloween night. Mm -hmm. But uh, just just keep your eyes open is basically what he says. He's like, and keep your eyes on this house because I have a feeling he's going to come back. Mm -hmm. And while that happens, um, most of it is just Annie and Laurie babysitting Tommy and Annie. Or Tommy and Lindsay. And Laurie is reading King Arthur to Tommy. But Tommy's just like, nah. And he has several comic books. He's just like, my mom doesn't want to read them. And then uh, Annie calls for the Wallace house and uh, is like, oh, I spoke to Ben Tramer. Uh, and I, he said that he'd love to go with you to prom. And uh, she's like, no, you didn't tell him. And he's like, oh, oh yeah. While that's happening, uh, Tommy looks outside and he sees Michael as it's although or the shape as they like to call him during production. And the shape is outside of the Wallace house, just this big black silhouette. And he's like, oh, boogeyman, boogeyman. And then Lori looks out. No one's there. Mm -hmm. And when that happens, he goes to the kitchen door and Annie's in there, of course, making popcorn that old cliche, where do you think Scream got it from? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Doesn't notice Michael. And uh, the dog named Lester starts barking. And she pours the butter all over her shirt. And that's why she has to go outside to the washer machine. Because they have a you know, separate like um, shed for some reason. It's, it's, it's weird. While that happens, she wears this small button-up shirt, and... And Michael kills the dog. Yeah, Michael kills the dog. Mm-hmm. And then, um, Lori and Tommy are sitting, and they're watching The Thing from Another World, which is one of John Carpenter's mm -hmm. favorite movies. And we talked about mm -hmm. his remake last week. Mm-hmm. While that's happening, um, 
Tommy asks Laurie about the boogeyman and is he real and everything. Laurie's like, nah, everything's made up. But it's Halloween's the only time a person can play tricks on each other. After that, they're like, okay, let's just make jack-o'-lanterns. Which is fun. And I hope kids still do it. Uh, they still keep that tradition. And we see that... This is when we see, uh, this is when we see Annie. This is a thing that I'm a little lost. And even though I the movie last night, how did Annie get to the car? Oh, no. So she parked her car in their garage. Mm-hmm. She had the key and everything. Mm-hmm. So, okay. So then she got into the car. And then this is when Michael takes it, makes his move, right? <laughs> um, I believe so. Because she uh, wants to get... Um, uh, she wants to spend time with her boyfriend, Paul. Which, by the way, the voice of Paul... Unedited or uncredited John Carpenter. Oh, you know, yeah. Mm-hmm. Nice. And uh, then uh, Annie is just like, hey, uh, you don't mind if I leave for a bit? And she's like, yeah, I kind of do. And then she's like, okay, how about this then? How about you go over to Tommy Doyle's place and hang out with him? Because now you really like him. And then I can go. So we'll just abandon the house. And she's like, yeah, I can do that. And that's when Annie goes to the car. Oh, okay. And as she's about to get in there, uh, Michael somehow entered the car without making any noise. And he just... Michael is that good? Yeah, and he just chokes her to death. Hmm. And so Annie dies. And then we see Michael carrying Annie inside of the house, and we see Tommy from afar looking at it. And Tommy's like, "It's the boogeyman! It's the boogeyman!" I I love. We see this is when we go back into the Myers house, and we see all of the bullies. Some of the some I think some of the bullies go are with Lonnie. And then I'm alone, and Lonnie go to the Myers house, and then we see Doctor Loomis like, "Get out! Get your ass out of here!" And then, they... oh, and. It's just funny to me because we all had that creepy abandoned house that was haunted or there was a curse behind it. And the Myers house is that house. It definitely won't be bought by a gay couple and moved in later. Oh, yeah. And specifically then just to kill the gay couple. But, you know, he, he, he made him look nice, though. Cancel Michael Myers. He, he didn't kill them because they were gay, though. He just killed them because they were in his house. Really? I mean, that that's what it was. It wasn't because they were gay. They were just living in his house, and he's just like, yeah, the fuck if you Michael are. If Michael was a true ally, uh, he would have let them run, run away. But no, no. I know, he, uh, I know. He, I know he's he, pure he, he made He made them, he made them, like, he presented them very nice. He's very good at presentation, as <laughs> you've also seen. You'll see later in this movie. He's, he's very good at presenting his bodies, and it's like, wow, puts a lot of effort into he's it. He's very artful. Yeah, he's he's a bit of a showman in that way. Mm-hmm. And uh, when that happens, um, yeah, Tommy's like, nobody believes me. And uh, after that, um, he's once again, he's just warning everybody how Michael is evil. Like Dr. Loomis. Sheriff Brack is like, if all the families and children in Haddonfield could be lined up for a slaughterhouse. And Dr. Loomis is like, uh, they could be. He's just like, all right, we need to find him. And then uh, he adds, if he is right, damn you for letting him go. Like he, like he, like he did it on purpose. And Dr. Loomis is just so frustrated. He's like, 
It's not like I asked for any of this. Mm -hmm. But then this is when we go back into one of the houses and we see the totally girl. Oh, no. Uh, this is the Wallace house. The Wallace now house. completely empty. Now completely empty. We see the totally girl arriving. She sees completely empty. I was like, oh, where's Annie? And then she's like, uh, and then we see Bob. Oh, this Jeffrey Dahmer looking motherfucker. With the fucking big ass glasses. Yeah, and then he says, he's just like, first, I would rip off your clothes, and then you're going to rip off my clothes, and then we're going to rip off Lindsay's clothes. And I was like, uh, Lindsay's a child, you fucking asshole. Uh-huh. So what part of that makes, what what does that last part have to do with anything? Mm-hmm. You look like a serial killer yourself, you freak. And then these two are just the, uh... Um, no, yeah, all the lights are off, too. Mm -hmm. And there's no one there. And then they start making out on the couch. But then they're like, oh, uh, let's go to the parents' room. And then they start having sex up there. Mm -hmm. um, oh, but uh, Lori has now been pawned off with two kids after they made jack-o'-lanterns. Mm -hmm. Pretty cool jack-o'-lanterns, by the way. I mean, like, I hope that Lori gets the double pay. Oh, yeah, and I love the very opening, speaking of jack-o'-lanterns, where did you notice that it's in the shape of Michael holding a knife? Because it goes slowly into this jack-o'-lantern, and Ooh, the shape of that. the nose is the big butcher knife, and one of the eyes is Michael's profile. Oh, never noticed that. That's why, it's, that's why it goes into that specific... Like, in that specific way. It's supposed to look like Michael. And they they call, and, uh, or Linda calls and said, hey, is Annie coming back? And then they're just like, uh, no, um, she went to pick up her boyfriend, she went up to pick up Paul. And she thought they'd be home, and then they're just like, uh, Annie gets back, uh, she has Lindsay at the Doyle house, so they're like, yeah, you can do whatever you want. So they hang up, and then they go upstairs, and the lights go out across the street. And then, uh, oh yeah, while they're having sex, by the way, all these candles lit. But it's such a fire hazard, too. I'm like, um, because once they're done, they don't blow out the candles. Yeah. They just keep them going. And I'm like, what if you fall asleep? Like, aren't, you're going to mm -hmm. burn the house down, you fucking idiots. But they have been drinking, so I guess it, it does make sense. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, and then after, of course, uh, they're done. Gratuitous nudity, by the way. We see uh, PJ Soul's boobs. And uh, she starts to light a cigarette. Cigarette after sex. What are the odds? And then uh, he goes down. And he's just like... And also the stereotype for a lot of horror movies. Not only after that. Sex. Or th this is the movie that Randy said uh, established all the rules. Because never, ever, you can never have sex or drink. And they do both. Uh-huh. I'll say, I'll be back. You never yes. go back. And that's what Bob says. He's just like, oh, yeah, you want a beer? I'll be uh, right back. I'll be right back. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, after that... um, We see Bob. He's downstairs looking for the beer, but then he sees one of the doors open. But then he opens a closet. We see Michael popping up, grabs Bob by choking him but also lifting his whole body with just one hand. And then Michael stabs him in the gut, keeping him... Pins him to the, wall. to the wall. With just one knife. 
Really strong knife. Yeah, the physics to that make no sense, but it's cool. And also, it's a good jump scare because when Michael uh, when Michael comes through, it's unexpected, and then you hear the big doom, so it catches you off guard. Mm-hmm. And then he does the little, his famous head tilt as well. Oh, uh, yeah. And then what happens after that is... Um, <laughs> She's Linda's filing her nails, and then Michael is standing there with the sheet, and the glasses are over the sheet. And I'm like, "Wow, yes. you really are an idiot, and you deserve to die." Yeah, I was like, "You're totally an idiot." Yeah, and then she's you're just totally like, "Oh, okay, I see what you're doing there." Uh, where's the beer? She just he just stands there, and then she's just like, "See anything you like," and just stands there again and she's just like all right i'm gonna call Lori. i'm gonna see where annie and paul are and just as she's about to dial then michael starts choking her with the phone cord and it sounds like you know yeah. she's having sex and whatnot and then Lori's just like yeah. hello like, this oh. is funny and then yeah linda <laughs> dies with a really weird face when she dies oh her, her derp face like, yes the cross eyes and like the look on her face. Um, all that happens. Um, Still, it's not Dark Knight Rises. I avenge my father. Ah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, is this? Um, I think this is where Michael starts breathing into the yes. phone mm-hmm. as well. He grabs the he's phone. just like, <sighs> and it's very disturbing. You're like, okay, whatever. Anyway, um, Dr. Loomis is still wandering. He's looking at the Myers house, but he sees the the sanitarium car. And he starts, he's like, all right, I'm on to you, Michael. Where the hell are you? And uh, Lori gets the keys and goes over to the other house, uh, to the Wallace house. And then she finds it rocked, uh, sorry, locked and rings the doorbell. So she walks in, and then this is where we get... Um, her discovering everything because she sees the light from a jack-o'-lantern upstairs and she sees Annie's body with the tombstone of Judith uh, or the headstone of uh, Judith Myers on top. She's like displayed like a American beauty style. Yes. And I'm like, wow, Michael really put in a good presentation there. Mm -hmm. I mean, like we know he, we, we know he spent time doing this too because we see him carrying the body inside. But it also makes you wonder, oh shit, uh, Linda and Bob were having sex with Annie's dead body in the next room. Mm-hmm. They didn't even realize that. And then this is where uh, Lori starts screaming, and this is where Jamie Lee got the Scream Queen reputation. Mm-hmm. And finds Bob just upside down, like, arms and everything. But backwards. And backwards. And then finds Linda uh, with that stupid look on her face. Mm-hmm. And then the reveal of Michael. Yes. Is so good. From the darkness. From the darkness. And you can barely see him too. Mm-hmm. And then he gets into frame and somehow misses because he's stabbing her at an angle rather than stabbing straight. Mm-hmm. Because he's just not that bright, I guess. Well, it's because Lori has plot armor. Yeah, and gets her <laughs> gets the side of her arm, and she falls down the steps. Boom! Really good scream. 
Yeah, and it looked like it hurt too. It's like, ooh, yeah. Michael's just slowly going down because he loves taking his sweet ass time too. And this is where we get the chase. Yeah, this is when she's getting out with her dun 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 dun, and she's like, "Help me, please, somebody help me!" And I love that she's screaming, and when she goes to the neighbors, and the neighbors don't respond, I was like, "God damn it!" She took her saying, "Hello, Broadwater, keep coming on me." <laughs> Just to keep her in the seventies, and then she goes back to the to to, to the Tommy and Tommy's house. Going, Tommy, open! I forgot. The, and she does another stereotype for getting the keys that she forgot the keys. Come on, Tommy! And I love that Tommy takes his fucking ass time to open the door. Yeah. Well, to be fair, he was asleep. Uh-huh. And uh, he doesn't really know the context, but yeah, you just see Michael just probably moving the fat, probably moving the fastest that he's ever moved in this franchise. To be fair, and he he, uh, he doesn't uh, they they lock him out, but then she's just like you know, wake up, Lindsay, we're gonna get out of here. It's Boogeyman, he's real, by the way, and uh, and yeah, Michael. But then Lori in the living room notices one of the windows is open, one of the window doors is open. She knows Michael's in there with him, and she grabs mm-hmm. a knitting needle that appeared, mm-hmm. tries to stab her. She puts the knitting needle in his neck. Mm-hmm. Doesn't stop him, because I love that they've just established that Michael Myers is a force of nature. Yes. Like, you cannot stop this thing. He will not rest. He's basically a machine. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of scary. And then we see Dr. Loomis. I was like, I found the car. And then we go back into Laurie. I was like, a, you need to become. I was like, a, and then Tommy says, you can you can kill the boogeyman. And then we see Michael just getting up slowly as she's talking to, to the boy, to the kids. Uh-oh. The way he gets up also, very, very famous. famous. And where there's like, go rising up and then swoop. And then we see that my, my Laurie puts the kids in one of the classes and then this is one of the other iconic scenes for me is when Laurie goes inside of the closet and this scared the fuck out of me when I was a kid. Oh, when he just breaks through it? Breaks through it and the the paranoia and the panic that Jamie Lee Curtis is putting in that moment. And so, so we see the light flicker on and off because it was like yes, it's still breaking, breaking the wall and breaking the closet door. And then Laurie, really cool move, grabs the hanger, pulls the metal straight or one of the hangers and then Stabs, uh, stabs uh, Michael in the eye, and then, and then Lori grabs the knife that Michael dropped, and then she Lori stabs him, and then Lori goes to the kids. I was like, I want you to go to the Mackenzies and call the police. I mean, go, go, and then she just bite the door with her with her wounds, just crying, and then we see Michael doing the uh, again, <laughs> yeah, and then we. See, and then Michael gets up, and then we see Loomis, Dr. Loomis Monfar sees Tommy leaving the house screaming with the, with the girl. And then we see that Michael, it grabs Lori, cho- is choking her. And then Dr. Loomis walks in, goes to the stairs, and sees Michael choking Lori. And then Lori grabs Michael by the mask and unmasks him, and we see Michael's face. Yeah, briefly. One of the few times we see his face briefly, that he has a really weird eye. Yeah, and he was played by... Is um, this Nick Castle? Nick Castle is the body double, but for the guy that's in uh, like his face, it's a guy named Tony Moran. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. And the little kid was named Will Sandin, like 
young Michael because we see his face there uh-huh. too. And uh, oh yeah, after this, um, oh yeah, because Doctor Loomis is hearing everything, and uh, or no, no no, Tommy and Lindsay are out of the house. Mm-hmm. And I love when Tommy says, "You can't hurt the bo- boogeyman." Mm-hmm. And stuff. They always call him the boogeyman too, because he's always like like there. But what happens is Doctor Loomis appears and he shoots Michael, and he falls backward into the other room, and she's covering her ears. And because when they were in the Myers house, we also established that Dr. Loomis has a gun. Mm-hmm. He's like, I've, I've got a permanent and everything. You must think I'm a, an orthodox doctor, but trust me, it's needed. And then he shoots him five more times, like right in the chest and mm-hmm. manages to shoot him off the balcony. And Michael slams on the ground and he appears to be dead. Doctor looks back at Laurie and, and uh, she goes, it was it it was the boogeyman and he goes as a matter of fact it was but then he looks back down and michael's gone (laughs) and just laurie is crying and then we see the shot of the myers house Mm -hmm. or the shot of the doyle wallace Mm -hmm. and myers house myers house being the last and then we just hear this heavy breathing behind a mask Mm -hmm. Yeah, and as the IMDb synopsis says, Michael Myers, the legendary man who came home on Halloween night to kill, is still alive somewhere out there. And that's the movie. What a great ending. Yes. And this is the first time ever that I got scared into a movie. That Tulum is seen downstairs and Michael is gone. That was the first time ever that I was scared into a movie. I was like, oh, shit. I was like, that was my reaction when I was here. When I was like, I was like, oh, and that's pretty effective. Even right now, I was like, yeah, it's still pretty effective. It's it's, it's still scary. I mean, just wow. This movie's still good. This movie's still great. This is considered one of John Carpenter's best. There's a good reason. It's very well made, and it's it's also one of the most influential horror movies ever created. That spawned a big ass franchise. It's spawned a very big franchise. It should have never been one. Yep. But if it was just this movie, it works. Yes. It works. This was made out of passion. Mm-hmm. Halloween 2 is very much a sequel movie that they made Carpenter make, and you can tell, because oh, his yeah. heart is not in that movie. Mm-hmm. I still think it's pretty good, but all at the same time, it's also kind of derailed by a very stupid twist. Uh, I cannot like that. I think it's really stupid. I can. I know why. I. I it's that old glass onion thing. Middle. It's so dumb. It's brilliant, and I'm like, no, it's, it's just dumb. But uh, yeah. Um, this is was a huge hit. Like I said, three hundred thousand, three hundred twenty-five thousand dollars made seventy million dollars at the box office. It's one of the. It's still one of the best uh, independent films, right? Yes. Like, a, like a made a big game. And I think Deborah Hill doesn't get enough credit because mm-hmm. she wrote and co-wrote and produced this movie mm-hmm. as well. Yeah, I mean, from the poster to, I mean, the the tagline, "The Night He Came Home," uh, to the music, I don't even need to say anything. You know the Halloween theme; they play it every single year. It's a very simple beat. But it works. And the runtime is a good hour and a half. It 
has a very good pace. You don't ever feel really bored. You just have this feeling of yep. uh, dread. Yeah. And unease. Like you can feel the tension in the air. And to keep that tension going for an hour and a half is a very difficult thing to do. I mean, it's it's broken up by, I mean, not, the entire movie isn't like that. I mean, there's like little scenes of like lighthearted stuff, but for the most part, this takes place. It's just a regular suburb. And that's also kind of what makes it terrifying is it could be anywhere. And that's why It Follows also works because the scariest movies are the places where it's like, where you live. Not only that, because we just complain about this. Also, It Follows is great because It Follows never got a sequel or a book or nothing to explain what the hell was going on in It Follows. And that's why It Follows still good because of the ambiguity of the creature from It Follows. And this movie, without thinking of the sequels, of all of the, the, all of the different timeline sequels, it's because of that ambiguity to why Michael is so effective in the first one. Yeah, like, again, he's a force. Mm-hmm. They make it very clear that this uh, this is not a human being. He is a cold, unfeeling, evil machine that just kills. Just because. Just no other reason. It's not forced or anything. It, it's just a, just a need to kill. And knowing, like, there are people that are like that. There are serial killers that are like that. That's scary to think that somebody could get to that level. And, yeah, this movie works very well. Um, it's one of Carpenter's best made. I, like I said last week, I still think The Thing is his best, like, made. Like, from how it's shot and produced and everything. Um, but this is for for a generally newer director. I'd say it's very good, but you definitely feel like it's an indie film. Like there was, they had barely any budget, but they used the best of it. Mm-hmm. They work it pretty good on how they did it. It's like I said, it has that kind of like a that feel like of uniqueness, like Star Wars. Like it feel like there was so many people work for it, and so many different handprints all around it. Of course, some of the dialogue is bad, but Moni's the teenagers. But I'm like, the environment and Michael's presence and Dr. Loomis just is spreading in one line. That's it. And I'm like, this movie is still good. Even I haven't seen it in a while since I was a kid. It still holds up. It's effective. You can say my only, I did feel the pacing in the middle of the movie. But I still, I still was still entertained. But I'm like, I will give this movie a nine and a half. This is still a really good movie. It definitely goes up still. Oh yeah, there's a there's a reason why this spawned a franchise that's over forty years long. Mm-hmm. Forty years. Think about that. Forty years and forty five years this year. So technically, Halloween ends was like movie number thirteen, right? It well, was number 13. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hence another reason they should not make any more ever again. Uh-huh. And this also was released October 25th, 1978. So it came out on Halloween. Halloween. Remember when 
movies came out at appropriate times. I'm looking at you, Haunted Mansion. Why was why in the middle of July? Why? Or so stupid. Maybe the tradition is gonna come back with the Saw movies for a decade that were coming out every Halloween. Well, Saw is uh, in October at least. In October, yes, in October. It's, it might not be late October, but it's still October. Mm-hmm. And yeah, this was a good movie to end on. My Halloween tradition mm-hmm. again: watch this movie late at night as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, just don't care about trick or treaters. Uh, mm-hmm. If you don't want trick or treaters, just turn your lights off and close your windows and just mm-hmm. don't even do anything. And yeah. just settle on in, light a few candles, watch the movie, grab some popcorn and all that shit. And then at the very end of the movie, don't uh, exit or like take the disc out. Let the credits roll as it plays the theme. Look outside, and uh, I'd say that's a pretty good spooky way to end the night. I do it every single year. And if you really love John Capra after hearing all of this podcast, and you haven't seen In the Matter of Madness, watch In the Matter of Madness. I just think you should check out John Carpenter in general. We covered in his general, mostly, yes. or his horror movies. He's done other movies. Yes. We, we need to do the escape movies and Big Trouble in Little China. He, he's, made, he's made a plethora of stuff, a lot of good sci-fi, too. Mm-hmm. But he's, he's a director that I think that people should watch. Just for the sake of, if you want to know what a filmmaker that has a passion for film, like somebody that wants to, you can tell that he actually gives a shit about what he makes. It might not always work, but you know, he's putting in 110% into what he's doing. He's not doing it to make a quick buck. He's doing it because a lot of his movies didn't make money. Yeah. But they're so highly revered because... They became cult movies. They're, he is the the cult director. Yes. Like the most accla- one of the most acclaimed cult directors. And not for ironic reasons, but because the movies are generally well-made and good. And that's something that you don't really see anymore. Mm-hmm. They're still out there. You gotta look. But... Mm-hmm. Yeah, we just wanted to highlight that, and thank you for listening to Carpenter, John Carpenter Month. Yes, next month we're going to go back into a franchise, baby. In preparation for the new Hunger Games prequel, we're doing the only other YA franchise that we can possibly do. We've done two of them. We're going to go with one more, Hunger Games. Yes! Oh, we have... uh, Quite a bit to say about the Hunger Games. I cannot do that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but until then, happy Halloween. And where can the good, where can the good people find you, buddy? Happy Halloween. You can find me as always at RoboBaderRDC on Twitter, Instagram, and a little box at RoboBaderRDC. Please follow the podcast on his mind spot on Twitter. And give us an extra review on Anchor, Spotify, and the other ones in Jubilee. Yes, you can follow me on Twitter and Letterboxd at Master of Puns 196. You can also follow me on Instagram at Billy Batson's Lightning. Nothing is capitalized. And once again, you can follow our main show Twitter at SYNS Pod, as well as give us a five star. Just write a review on Apple Podcasts, as well as listen to us on Google, Spotify, SoundCloud, Spotify for Podcasters, wherever uh, you can listen to podcasts. And as always, see you next summer. Dun, 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 dun.